Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Throughout the centuries, mankind has struggled to properly and justly govern himself. How grateful we are as a nation to be living in a democracy where we have so much freedom. No doubt, this is God's mercy to us when so many people on this earth are living under the oppression and tyranny of dictators and unrighteous monarchs. But as wonderful as democracy is, in the Bible, God's way for the governing of his people was not a democracy. Neither was it by dictators or kings. What God desired for his people Israel, and for us, his people today within the church, is a theocracy, that is, government by God's divine ruling. This matter is covered in some detail by Moses in the book of Deuteronomy as the children of Israel were preparing to enter the good land. And Francis Ball has joined us today to get into this matter that I think is important. And we really, uh, I noticed in both of our prayer today, there was some earnestness in seeking the Lord's uh, clarity and light in seeing this, isn't it? Isn't yes, it so? we are really uh, desperate to be in the uh, anointing for speaking on this matter of the government of God, how God carries out his government. Francis, the issue before us is how God chose or elected or ordained for his people to be governed. It was very important, particularly as the children of Israel now are preparing to enter the good land. In one sense, as they were wandering in the wilderness, following Moses and really following God uh, by the cloud and, and pillar of fire, it wasn't as much an issue as it is going to be for them as they really uh, begin to occupy and possess the land. If we generalize, as we look at government on the earth today, we can see that basically they all fit into three categories, don't they? Yes, they do. We've identified them already as a government by autocracy, which is like a dictatorship or a kingship, and, of course, democracy, which is what we enjoy in this country, which gives us more freedom. And then what God really wanted and wants is a theocracy, a governing by God himself. Francis, I think this matter of theocracy is sometimes used by uh, many peoples in different religions, and it's been abused. So we really are trying to separate ourselves from that whole context. And I know it's hard for any of us uh, in these days, but we're really focusing on God's pure heart and word and intention according to his word and not trying to make a statement about the political situation. That's right. Our center is the word of God. Amen. Okay, let's pick up a couple of verses in chapter 16 now as we set the stage uh, for this fellowship and uh, study concerning the matter of the governing of God's people. You shall appoint for yourselves judges and officers in all your cities, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not distort justice, and you shall not respect persons, nor shall you take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. 
Righteousness and only righteousness shall you pursue in order that you may live and possess the land which Jehovah your God is giving to you. Uh, Wonderful backdrop for God speaking on how he intends for his people to be governed. Yes, we certainly want to pay full attention to this matter because righteousness is a very key point in God's governing. And uh, even the gospel of the kingdom of God is related mostly to righteousness. Yes. Let's join Witness Lee. Now we come to a particular item. That is the divine government. This is God's government among his people, which we call theocracy. We have to know today in the church we exercise neither autocracy, dictatorship, nor democracy, according to people's opinion. But we like to honor God's authority as our government. This book seems very common, but actually it is not that common. You can see all the divine wisdom. God has taken care of the human right very well. Look at the way God decided to deal with or to take care of the slaves, full of human right. Firstly, to take care of justice. Secondly, to take care of the administration. In every city, there must be some judges and some officers to pursue righteousness in order that they might live and possess the God-given land. Without justice to keep an order, I don't think people could live longer. (laughs) Could you see this? This is God's wisdom. Don't forget Moses is 120 years already. He has learned a lot. He has learned all the learnings of the Egyptians. And he has learned all the Hebrew culture. So his word is very, very wonderful. Simple, easy to read, easy to understand. But the wisdom that is conveyed is far, far beyond our thought. You have to read all these chapters to get into God's mind. What God was seeking what God was thinking there. You have to know this is not just Moses' word. (laughs) He was only a mouth to express what God speaks. So you could see what is there in God's mind. My, uh, he knows man. He knows man's need. He knows man's condition, man's situation. So whatever God speaks, that's it. Francis, we just saw a couple of points in this uh, speaking by Witness Lee that help us to realize the kind of divine government that God desired to institute among his people. And by divine government, uh, we see, first of all, it's not a democracy where everyone's opinions count equally, uh, nor is it to be a rule by one man, such as a dictator or a monarch. Uh, I was impressed that the most important characteristic, certainly, was that it has to be a government of righteousness, a righteousness that matches God's righteousness. But there also is a human component here, as typified by Moses, isn't there? There is a human component, and that's very, very important, because man in his fallen condition is not 
naturally righteous. He must learn righteousness by knowing God and knowing God's mind and God's heart. I believe, uh, Chris, that so many Christians today, they're quite clear about God's forgiveness. Yes. And they think a lot and talk a lot about God's love. And all of this is marvelous. Yet, God's love and the forgiveness of our sins is not the total intent of God. There must be the righteousness. God is a righteous God, and he will deal righteously. And he wants to be the ruler of his people, not to put it in the hands of the opinions of all the people, like a democracy, nor to put it in the hands of one person like a a monarch. But he wants to have the rule over his people. And therefore, when we get into this portion, we realize that righteousness and only righteousness we should pursue in order that we may live and possess the Lord in our experience as the children of Israel went into the good land. The thing that would preserve them in the good land is righteousness. The thing that will bring us into the full enjoyment of Christ is not only his love to us, but also his righteousness worked out in us. And by extension, I think we realize that there is no way for mankind, whether we're the rulers or the rulees, I guess, the only righteousness there is is God himself and Christ himself, and he must be our experience to be, uh, to be able to meet such a requirement in his right. divine government. This really relates very much to what we've referred to in this program before about the judicial redemption of Christ and also the organic salvation of Christ. Uh, all Christians really appreciate the judicial redemption where everything is made right with God and we're at peace with God. But the organic salvation really means that God is working his own nature and character into our being by the Spirit day by day in our experiences and with the Word of God. That is a very appropriate lead-in, I think, for this coming portion. Practically, as Moses went on and uh, spoke the practicality of what this theocracy would look like in Israel, uh, it was to be carried out by the Levitical priesthood primarily. Of course, we just read a moment ago that in each city there would be uh, judges established and uh, those who could make decisions. But the priesthood was preeminent here in the carrying out of this theocracy among God's people. In chapter 17, uh, let's just look at a short passage here. And you shall come to the Levitical priests and to the judge who is presiding in those days and investigate the matter course, talking now about a, some sort of civil dispute between parties. And they shall declare to you the sentence of the judgment. Francis, if we look into all the verses, we see that the obligation of the priests in order to judge was threefold. And we're going to touch these three elements in the next two sections of our program today. First, the priest had to be in God's presence. And secondly, in God's presence, considering the words of the law, or for us, that's the word of God. Then thirdly, they had the breastplate. We talked about this when we had our life study, particularly in Exodus. And just to remind our listeners, the breastplate had these primary items of the Urim and the Thummim uh, and these stones. And the arrangement of these stones upon this breastplate that the priest wore uh, enabled God to communicate his direct feeling to the priest, didn't it? Yes, it did. And it's very important if... uh the listeners have not gotten into the meaning of these two words, Urim and Thummim. The life study of Exodus could make those things clear. 
Yes, it's a detailed point, not one that we have time to get back into today. But as Francis pointed out, if you have an interest there, and uh, you can contact us, and we'll tell you how at the end of the program about getting the previously uh, printed life study messages. Also, those programs touching the Urim and Thummim were available on our website. At the end of the program, we'll give you more information about that. Let's go back to Witness Lee Francis as we talk about these three things now: God's presence, God's word, and the breastplate. The priest, number one, they have God's presence. Number two, they have God's holy word. Then number three, the breastplate. These three things added, they get a clear understanding of the divine judgment. Actually, that is not their judgment, but the divine judgment. It is investigated according to God, according to his holy word, and according to his unveiling. That becomes God's judgment. So, the judgment of the judge must be something unveiled by God. This is really the theocracy through man. That's right. But it is not by man. It is by God, yet through man. Today in the church, the church government should not be autocratic, not democratic. Right? It has to be theocratic. Today, we all are the priests. So, elders, the leading ones, firstly, you are the priests. So, you have to go to God to stay in His presence with His Holy Word by today's breastplate. That is mingled spirit with Christ and the church. Because on the breastplate, there are the 12 names of Israel representing God's people. You have to go to God and stay in His presence with His Holy Word with the mingled spirit for the church, for God's people. Then you could get revelation. That will be a kind of a judgment. Then you will administrate this judgment as a verdict. You elders should be firstly the priests, then the judges. Right? Firstly, you are the leading priest, and then you become the administrator. Francis, to see the application of these Old Testament types once again as it's opened up in this ministry is uh, where the, the help really is to us. We have these three items, of course, God's Word. Uh, we all, I think, have a realization how critical that is if we are to be able to execute any kind of ruling that is under a divine ruling ourselves. And secondly, in God's presence, his word in his presence. But this matter of the breastplate and what it signifies, to me, was uh, very enlightening. Let's talk about that for a moment. Well, this matter of the breastplate is very enlightening and very applicable to our present day because this is a picture or a type of the mingled spirit. That means God the Spirit mingled with our human spirit. And as priests, we must first stay in God's presence, not only come into God's presence or have the realization that one time we touched God's presence, but we must learn to stay in God's presence. And we also must know his word. We must be constituted with his word in order to be the real priests. And then we will be able to uh, exercise our mingled spirit to know God's mind, God's heart, what he wants to do how he wants to carry out his ruling over us. And therefore, we can be both the priests to know God and to know his word and to know his judgment 
and also we will know how to uh, to administrate for him, not by doing something on our own about our opinion, but by what we have learned from his presence, from his word, and from our mingled spirit. You know, when we talk about the mingled spirit, we realize that for many Christians, this may still be quite a mystery, but this is revealed in the Bible in a very clear way. We're told to walk according to spirit. First of all, we have to realize that that which is born of the spirit, God's spirit, is our spirit. So when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, who has become the life-giving spirit in his resurrection, we now have him in our spirit. So we have referred to this as the mingled spirit. God the Spirit is with our spirit. And at least three times in the New Testament, it makes this very clear. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Right. And we worship God, who is the Spirit, in our human spirit. And in Romans chapter 8, it says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So this organ, I would say, mm-hmm. of the spirit with our spirit is how we know God, how we contact God, how we live according to God, and we live under his theocracy. We know how to rule with God. We know how to administer the things of God because he is penetrating from our spirit into our mind to even know God's heart, God's thought. Francis, I think the uh, the reference there, the last one you quoted from Romans chapter 8, I believe it's verse 16, isn't it? That uh, the spirit bearing witness with our spirit. That's really a, a very graphic description of what we're talking about here by the breastplate. It's that bearing witness in that organ of ours that is connected with the spirit of God that gives us all as the priests in the New Testament some indication of God's feeling and God's judgment uh, and especially even God's confirmation that we are the children of God in that case. We don't turn to our imagination. We turn to our spirit. Right. And in our spirit, that's where God is. So to touch the Lord, to remain with the Lord, and even to know the Lord in a subjective way, we need to exercise our spirit. Well, we want to come back uh, to chapter 16 and 17 now in Deuteronomy because we began pointing out that God's intention for his people was neither a democracy nor an autocracy, and a form of autocracy is a kingship or a monarchy. But the children of Israel were quite insistent that they saw the other nations in the surrounding areas. They all had kings, and they felt if they didn't have a king, they were going to miss out on something, and so they expressed this to Moses. Well, the Lord uh, eventually gives in to their request for a king, but as we see in Deuteronomy, he gives the king some very uh, direct instruction and help on how to maintain the theocracy. Let's go back to Witness Lee. God is quite uh, generous. Actually, he doesn't like to see a king among his people. He's a king. If you want a king, that means you like someone to uh, replace God. Is that right? For us to have someone to replace God? No, the parent cannot be replaced. God as our king cannot be replaced and should not be replaced. But according to our fallen human nature, we like to have a king. You know the story at Samuel's time. Samuel warned the children of Israel, don't do this. If you do this, you offend God. But they insisted. So God gave them a king, King Saul. There was not a king according to God's heart. Then God had 
his own choice to uh, raise up in David to replace Saul. Right? David was a king, not according to his preference, but according to God's heart. So David is the most pleasant king in the eyes of God. Okay, the king should write a book and put this book in front of the priest. And he was to read it all the days of his life in order that he might learn to fear Jehovah, his God, by keeping all the words of the law. So he's going to rule over the people. But firstly, he has to be ruled, governed by the word of God. A proper king among the children of Israel should be one who is governed, ruled, controlled, instructed altogether by the word of God. Today, the same thing. If elders do not read the Bible and you are not controlled by the Holy Word, how could you manage a church? How could the church be under your management? You have to be reconstituted by the Holy Word. Then you are fully under God's ruling, God's controlling, God's government. Then spontaneously, you will represent God. So this kind of management is theocracy. God is in it. Whatever you decide, God is there. God is in your decision. Francis, I was really impressed. I think uh, we should look at this verse 18 in chapter 17. This is referring to the king. It says, And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write out for himself a copy of this law in a book, and he shall read in it all the days of his life. We only have a couple of minutes here, but at this point, if the leading ones are not under the divine ruling, how could they possibly rule for God among his people? Boy, this is a strong point. This really touched me that when God did consent to let them have a king, he told what kind of king he would be, but he told what kind of king he must be. Right. And uh, the two didn't agree <laughs> with each other, but the king must be one who has written out for himself all the law that Moses has given and read it day by day. Now, the word that Moses gave was really God's word to his people. And when we get to the New Testament, we pointed this out in previous uh, broadcasts, even on the book of Deuteronomy, that uh, Paul in the New Testament uh, translates the word in, uh, in Deuteronomy as Christ. So we must have the word of Christ. We must have Christ, I would say, as the word, our daily occupying, our daily reading. We read the Word, we get saturated with the Word, we get reconstituted with the Word. Only then can we be anyone who can know God's mind, God's heart, and can administrate for God. Wow. I wish we had more time to explore this. This is really compelling, and uh, I think we've come to the heart of the matter in this final section. Any kind of ruling that would be representative of God and genuinely be considered a theocracy, which is what he desires among his people, his ruling preeminent, must have this component. Those who he has placed in some responsibility have to be saturated with Christ as the Word. Uh, we've touched this in some of the broadcasts. We just recommend those past ones to our listeners, and uh, we assure you we'll be touching this point again. Okay, our toll-free number is one eight 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 life study 
That's 888-543-3788. The website is www.lifestudy.com. And you can click on a button that says listen to today's message or you can click on a button that will take you to a list of all of the past programs and just click on the Life Study of Exodus and uh, you will find the programs there dealing with the breastplate. Well, that's our time for today and uh, we invite you to join us again. We're going to continue in this book of Deuteronomy as it's being opened up to us in such a fresh way with so much uh, meaning and application for us as God's New Testament people. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.